Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine with Paul Pennington. Word on Health, for your very best of health. It's estimated that one in 20 people in the UK have a thyroid problem, but experts claim that statistic could be much higher with many individuals unaware they have an issue. Julia Priestley is from the British Thyroid Foundation. The symptoms can be missed because they can be quite general and mistaken for other things. They affect mostly women and older women, often at the time of the menopause, and so a woman might overlook the symptoms thinking it's down to the menopause or just generally getting older. They also do affect men and children and young people as well. Even babies actually can be born without a thyroid. Men are often will be missed because they don't expect to get a thyroid disorder and perhaps the GPs aren't expecting to find a thyroid disorder in a man. So it's important that men be aware that they can be affected too. And also younger women, if you've got a history in your family of thyroid problems or other autoimmune diseases, that's another reason to indicate that you may develop one yourself. It's always worth chatting to your GP whether they think that you'd be worth testing because blood tests are usually the best way of confirming a thyroid disorder or not. Julia, what exactly is the thyroid gland? It's a tiny butterfly-shaped gland which sits at the front of your neck just below the Adam's apple and it's about the size of half a plum and it produces hormones that are necessary to make the whole of your body work. The hormones are sent around to various organs in your body and they're responsible for all your physical and psychological processes. So if something goes wrong with your thyroid, it's likely that you'll have some physical symptoms in some way or psychological ones as well and psychological ones are often overlooked. So what are the symptoms of the most prevalent thyroid disorders? The most common thyroid disorder is hypothyroidism, which is an underactive thyroid, and that's when your thyroid gland doesn't produce enough thyroid hormone, and it slows your metabolism down. You'll commonly feel enormous tiredness and fatigue, but even a good sleep doesn't help. People talk about brain fog, not being able to think very clearly. People experience stomach upsets and constipation. They often will gain weight, experience hair loss, and dry skin, and brittle nails. And then an overactive thyroid is where, conversely, your thyroid works too hard and produces too much thyroid hormone. Body speeds up. Some people talk about feeling like they're plugged into the grid, they're buzzing and experience heart palpitations. They can feel hot and sweaty, thirsty, muscle aches as well. Actually, for over and underactive, they get shaky hands and they find it hard to relax and can have sleep problems. And they'll often lose weight. So underactive thyroid, you gain weight, but with an overactive thyroid, you lose weight because your body's just working too fast, burning through the energy. There are other thyroid conditions as well, which is important to mention. Many of us will have thyroid nodules or goiters, which are lumps and swellings on our thyroid. A lot of us will have them and not even know we've got them and they won't ever cause a problem to us. But sometimes they become noticeable. So you can feel a lump, perhaps one of your friends or family members might spot it on your neck. And then sometimes they'll affect the way we can swallow and breathe or they cause voice changes. Well, fortunately, most thyroid lumps and bumps are benign. They should always be investigated. Once you've been diagnosed, what can we do for ourselves to live well with thyroid disorders? That's one of the main focuses of our organisation is to help people live well. So I'm glad you asked that. There's no magic thyroid diet, which I wish there were because weight management is a problem that a lot of people in our community have. We would just advocate a healthy, balanced diet. There are no particular special vitamins and minerals that people need to take. Really, the most important thing is to take your medication regularly and to look after yourself, to be kind to yourself, to know that you'll have good days and bad days and talk about it as well because there are other people out there who are affected and will understand. So it's important to reach out to those if you're feeling alone. My grateful thanks to Julia Priest 
Mostly from the British Thyroid Foundation. For further help and support, you can link through to the charity via our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Word on Health. Feel very best of health. Asthma affects the lives of 5.4 million people across the UK, including a million children. And research shows, despite its prevalence in our society, public understanding of it is poor. Dr Andy Whittemore is a Portsmouth-based GP and clinical lead with the charity Asthma and Lung UK. Asthma is a long-term condition which affects the airways going down into the lungs. And people have experienced symptoms such as coughing, wheezing and shortness of breath. They might feel tightness in the chest or have difficulty breathing. And these symptoms are set off by inflammation in the airways. That inflammation is caused and can be made worse by specific triggers. And there's so many different triggers out there that are different for everyone. The sort of triggers that we see affecting people can come from inside and outside the body. Allergies, viruses and poor air quality are probably the most common external triggers. But we also see that stress, exercise and things like hormones can also be a trigger for some people as well. Having inflammation in your airways increases your chance of having an asthma attack. Asthma attacks are life-threatening for some people. We know that 1,400 people die from asthma every year in the UK. So it's about four people every single day. There was a study that we did into asthma deaths in 2014 called NRAD, which showed that about two-thirds of these deaths are preventable with better care and better self-care. Andy, I understand asthma can't be cured, but there are treatments that can keep symptoms under control. Who's at risk of developing the condition? Well, asthma does run in families, so we commonly see people where other members of the family have got asthma as well. People living in deprived areas are more likely to develop asthma without that family history in place. And that might be due to poor housing, pollution and household smoking. And we also see in people who've got allergic conditions such as eczema and hay fever. So those sorts of three diseases do go together in some cases. But what we're sort of learning more and more about asthma is it can come on in anyone. We see it come on in people who've got certain jobs where there are triggers that people are exposed to repeatedly that set off asthma later in life. And we also know that asthma can come on in some women around the time of the menopause. You mentioned the report from 2014 where deaths from asthma could have been prevented. What do you see are the contributing factors? Asthma is extremely common. It's also very unpredictable. And because it's a variable condition, it comes and goes. So people get periods where they feel really well, so they might stop taking their medication that prevents their inflammation and prevents their symptoms. And that leaves them at risk of having an increase in symptoms and an increase in asthma attacks. People are also given a blue reliever inhaler, which treats their symptoms immediately. So we get a situation where people start to rely and depend on that reliever inhaler which does nothing other than hide the problem and they don't take the medication that they don't see the benefit for because it's working quietly in the background. Also, it's really hard to diagnose asthma. We've had some studies in recent years which have shown almost as many as one in three people may have been misdiagnosed. But similarly, there's lots of people out there who've got asthma and don't know they've got it. And that's because the tests we've got for asthma are not good enough. There's a lot of guesswork that goes into diagnosing somebody with asthma and also making decisions like increasing treatment. So there's lots of things that we need more research in to help doctors and nurses and pharmacists to manage and support their patients with asthma. And then those things can help to give people with asthma more confidence and their treatments so they know what works and what's going on in the background. I see from the statistics on your website, keeping control of asthma is a persistent challenge with an estimated 2.17 million people living with uncontrolled asthma. How can someone live well with asthma? The first thing to say is most people need to keep a really close eye on their symptoms. Take that preventer inhaler every single day as it's been prescribed, even when you're well. 
It is quietly and calmly dampening down the information in the background and preventing people from reacting to those triggers, which catches out like viruses, like pollen and pollution that then go on and cause symptoms and asthma attacks. The Asthma and Lung UK team monitor every year what we call basic care, and that's three pillars of care that will help to keep people well through the year and help to manage their condition really well. So the first thing is make sure that people go to and have their asthma annual review with their GP or their asthma nurse. And this is to check their asthma symptoms and make sure their medicines are right for them. The second thing is, is make sure that somebody's asthma inhaler technique is correct because it's not like swallowing a tablet. You need to know how to get the medicine deep into your lungs in exactly the right way. And with so many different inhalers out there, you need to make sure people are actually maximizing their inhaler to actually get the best out of the medicines and to reduce the chance of side effects. And the third aspect of basic care is what we call a written asthma action plan. And people can download these from our website, work through them with their GP or their asthma nurse. And what this does, it tells people what to do to stay well, but gives them hints and tips as to what to do when their asthma is starting to cause problems. My grateful thanks to Dr. Andy Whittemore from the charity Asthma and Lung UK. For further information on this story, log onto our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Keeping you in touch with the health and lifestyle issues that matter. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Endometriosis is a common, sometimes debilitating, but often ignored gynecological disease affecting 1 in 10 women and those assigned female at birth from puberty to menopause, as well as chronic pelvic pain and painful periods. Symptoms include pain during or after sex, painful bowel movements or pain when urinating, difficulties getting pregnant and fatigue. Those with the condition often have their symptoms dismissed or ignored, as a very recent poll commissioned by Endometriosis UK has confirmed. Rosie Corbett is from the charity. The women who responded to our poll gave a number of reasons for why they would put off going to the doctor. One of those reasons was to do with thinking that a doctor wouldn't take it seriously, but they also cited reasons around thinking that painful periods were simply a normal part of life. 89% of 16 to 24 year old women would put off going to a doctor if they were experiencing painful periods which interfered with everyday life. And 76% of all women would also put off going to the doctor for the same reason. Severe period pain should not be a normal part of life and even at a time when there are pressures on the NHS, individuals have a right to seek diagnosis and to seek help from their GP. So we really encourage individuals to do that if they are experiencing severe period pain. Rosie, is endometriosis treatable? Endometriosis is treatable. Unfortunately, at this time there is no known cause and therefore no known cure for endometriosis but there are a number of treatment options available so those can be surgical where endometriosis tissue can be removed surgically if it's safe to do so. There's also a range of hormonal treatment options and pain management options as well. Encouragingly, I see from your recent poll there's been an increase in public awareness of endometriosis yet still it takes an average of eight years for the condition to be diagnosed. Why is that? There's a number of factors to this. Firstly, as we've talked about, it feels at the moment that women who are experiencing painful periods aren't necessarily going to the doctor for a range of reasons in terms of not wanting to bother doctors, not thinking they will be taken seriously, and also concerns on pressures of the NHS during COVID. So that's certainly one of the issues. Another key aspect of that is around mental wellbeing education. So for young people, knowing the signs and symptoms of endometriosis and knowing when they should be seeking help as early as possible. The 
there's also an issue around the fact that it's actually quite hard to definitively diagnose endometriosis. So really important on the research agenda that simpler ways to diagnose endometriosis are identified and found. And as a charity, we're also really aware that a lot of the symptoms of endometriosis can be associated with other possibly more commonly diagnosed conditions. So sometimes a misdiagnosis also plays a factor. We often hear stories of people being diagnosed with things like irritable bowel syndrome, pelvic inflammatory disease and so on before they receive a diagnosis of endometriosis. So I think there's a multitude of factors that lead to that long diagnosis time, which we at Endometriosis UK are really working to tackle. My grateful thanks to Rosie Corbett from the charity Endometriosis UK. For more on this story, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Word on Health. On air and online 52 weeks of the year with Paul Pennington. Word on Health. Your personal prescription for your very best of health. 